Ever feel like you just entered the movie The Truman Show where everything around you is a political ad? If you're like me, that's how it's felt in the days leading up to the Virginia elections. We're going to talk about some of the most outrageous of those ads today, including one that went viral and what all this says about our culture. Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, and I'm joined today by our president, Victoria Cobb. Well, I've got to start today's episode by saying that by the time this goes live and people hear this on the radio or the podcast, the election will finally be over and we'll either know something or we'll still be waiting in what seems like eternity on results. But at least the crazy political ads have been flooding our mailboxes and video screens will finally be at least coming to an end. And and they have been crazy. I mean, let's be clear. They, I mean, you know, truth is just not a thing that you necessarily need to have in a political ad, apparently, because I've noticed, the big trend I've noticed is every single Republican somehow is tied to January 6th. And sometimes these ties to January 6th and what happened at the Capitol are so non-existent that they what they even tried to make up to make a tie it literally if you know the facts you, you sort of just kind of go you are really reaching and i, I kind of hope voters sort of you know actually know who really is tied to things that bother them and who yeah. isn't um uh, you know that's the kind of stuff that drives me crazy well there's been crazy stuff on both sides to be fair i saw something where there were these mysterious signs appearing that said something like keep parents out of school keep virginia blue and nobody knows who's putting the signs up so well, um, it's, yeah. I, I'll tell you, the thing, who knows who's putting up these signs is really interesting because my daughter said, um, Mom, there's these signs that tie that say uh, Trump endorses Yunkin. And she goes, I didn't think Trump actually did endorse Yunkin at this point. Like, I thought you said he was had been silent. And, well, yeah. guess what? Those are actually produced by the McAuliffe campaign because they think Trump doesn't play well here in Virginia. And I actually, driving on the interstate today, above the overpass, there was this big sign that was Trumpkin. But it was done oh in the Yunkin like, logo and look of his sign. And you're sitting here going, like, we're getting really blended and confusing here, all trying wow. to sort of, like, confuse the voter. It's frustrating. One thing that's funny about the video, you know, on YouTube or on television is, you know, they always start out with the ominous music, da da da, da and then it gets really happy all of a sudden. It's like they all do that. Um, yeah. I like where candidates directly counter each other's ads. So we have one delegate that has this running ad, and it's like he's, you know, it just talks about how he's running for you, the, the constituent. And it's like this positive ad, you know, and somebody says, oh, you know, he's running by people's houses, and they say, thanks for doing this, and thanks for doing this. Well, the opponent then basically said, the only reason he's running is because he's running from his voting record. And I just thought that was, like, really cute. Yeah. Like, let's be direct, and let's, you know, that, that makes it entertaining, wish, at least, for the, <laughs> the, the watcher. Yeah, I wish they could all kind of have more of that kind of civil fun, give and take. Yeah. I will mention one flyer that made me laugh that came to my house because it had my name and a grade, a voting grade. And the first thing I see is that I got a C and, you know, C grade. I'm all, I'm all upset. I'm thinking, this isn't fair. I haven't lived in the state, you know, more than two <laughs> we years. We can tell who cared about her grades in high school. <laughs> right, exactly. And then it had, here's how your neighbors are graded. And they both have A plus. And then... I thought, okay, well, maybe this is a good thing because my if my neighbors see that I'm getting the C grade, then it's kind of a cover for me. They might, you know, not realize I'm the staunch conservative. <laughs> um, I, I do think these are these they're called social pressure mailers, and they are used. And you know, it it is really ridiculous when you 
literally haven't been here long enough to have a 20 year yeah, voting a- record in Virginia. But um, but, you know, they, they they must work because they're becoming more frequent. We're seeing them by some organization or some candidate in almost every election. But yeah, they're Were very you entertaining. Graded? I was not graded. So okay. I don't know what that means. It kind of bothers me. Like I have an outstanding grade. Like I don't have a turned in homework assignment or something. <laughs> OK, the other thing is. I happen to know my two neighbors, and they weren't the names on there that got A-pluses, so maybe they're fictional, but one was Leslie Cobb, so maybe this person's related <laughs> to you. <laughs> yeah, they're supposed to have actual, that's a, that's very interesting if they're not even real people, because that wouldn't be very effective, because hopefully most people actually do know the names of their neighbors. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, that's, that's a little disturbing. I actually use a, an app that was produced by a Christian organization that shows me all of my neighbors' names, and every day names come up to pray for my neighbors. So I hope people are doing stuff like that and they actually really do know their yeah, neighbor names. <laughs> that would be the redemptive version of that. That's exactly right. Well, speaking of political ads, I think we should talk about a couple of unusual ones that have made headlines in the final days of the race, which really say a lot about where our culture is at right now, especially the one featuring a mom who we know personally at the Family Foundation. This mom spoke up about explicit content in her kid's school in this ad. Yeah, this ad featured the mom telling her real life story and it actually went viral it reached last time i saw it was over a million views um actually just in the first 24 hours and now it's just continuing to grow and it's pretty darn amazing because um you know i'm not surprised because i got to watch this whole story play out personally but it's awesome to see it on a television ad yeah let's just listen to a bit of that story as a parent it's tough to catch everything So when my son showed me his reading assignment, my heart sunk. It was some of the most explicit material you can imagine. I met with lawmakers. They couldn't believe what I was showing them. Their faces turned bright red with embarrassment. You just heard a mom in Fairfax, Laura Murphy, and she and her family have actually come under a lot of attack for speaking out in this ad. But as you said, Victoria, you watched her live this out personally. Tell us what you remember about that. Yeah, I mean, Laura just simply experienced, unfortunately, what other moms have experienced, and we're hearing kind of a theme, but basically she had a high school-aged son who had to read a book for class that dealt with rape and even bestiality. Her son said he had night terrors after reading it, and so she went to the school and complained, and they basically ignored her. So she, you got to love her. I mean, she didn't, the school wouldn't do anything about it, so what did she do? She took it all the way to the legislature, which was pretty awesome. And you were there to back her up. The Family Foundation was there to back her. Tell us about that. Yeah, she got a a legislator, Delegate Landis, to introduce the bill. And we basically helped drive that through the process. And it was actually pretty awesome to be able to talk about the role of parents in schools in the legislature, both in committee and then um, ultimately it passed both chambers bipartisan, right? So you had Democrats and Republicans come together. The only problem is, of course, and this is how it becomes a political ad, is that the governor at the time vetoed it. And that governor was McAuliffe. So of course, they're holding him to that now. Well, how do we come alongside a parent like that? Like, what did we do to try to help her, you know, get into the legislator or just get traction with that? Yeah, I mean, we help make connections because we have the relationships with the legislators. So we get her started with who to carry the bill and start that whole process. And then we meet with all the legislators to try to convince them to vote for the bill. So we literally go in and talk about the bill on her behalf because she's up in Northern Virginia. She can't be down every day during the session. And then we pack committee rooms full of parents to make a difference to kind of say, hey, look, there's a lot of people that care about this. Um, And so it's kind of just a piece by piece to get it over the line. And then, of course, we were frustrated that it came to a governor who didn't really care what parents thought and didn't even really care what some in his party had voted for, which was disappointing. But still, to get it through both chambers was a huge accomplishment. Do you think with all this attention nationally, 
you know, with people at the highest levels disrespecting parental rights. I mean, I got to mention President Obama calling it fake outrage. Do you think maybe we have better chance of something like this becoming a law in the near future, or at least a policy locally? Yeah, I do. I think if we get the right folks, now that this has been raised to a whole nother level, but it's also important what the bill was. It's getting characterized as a book banning bill, and that wasn't what it was. It was simply saying if a school's going to sign something or have a book that's inappropriate, they're going to tell parents. And if a parent says, this isn't where my kid is, I don't want my kid reading this, they're going to allow them an alternative reading selection. So it's a very reasonable bill. And so I do think we could get that passed if we had the right scenario in the future. So this could get resurrected in a good way. Well, one thing that has also been interesting in the aftermath of all this is watching these efforts to discredit Laura's story. I mean, it did go viral, so of course, I guess we shouldn't be surprised that there are efforts to nip it in the bud, as Barney Fife would say. So you had everything from a Washington Post fact check to people saying her son was a high schooler at the time and should have been able to handle the book, or even trying to make this a racial issue because the book itself, it did address important parts about the history of slavery. Victoria, what's all? What's your response to all of that? Well, I think by now they should know they can't shut down these parents, that these are real experiences that they've really had that they are concerned about for their kids. And so all these efforts to make them something other than what they are just aren't even going to work. I, I think especially we've seen now with the FBI being sick on parents, quote unquote, and the parents still showing up at the school board with signs almost taunting the FBI. I, I think they got to watch their step. Yeah, I just saw in the news that some Fairfax moms think that they saw a lot of government cars and maybe a helicopter or drones were clear out the, at the latest school board meetings. So I have not be- heard that, but... Yeah. I wish I were surprised. <laughs> well, speaking of the parents in Fairfax, they are raising new alarms about this extremely intrusive survey in the school. And so let me just say, some of these moms went to uh, the FBI or, you know, in D.C. to protest the whole FBI being sicked on them. And then, and then after that is when they thought they saw these government cars showing up. And they're still raising alarms about this intrusive survey that's the latest thing to happen. And we have raised alarms in our action alert about this survey being given to children in the Fairfax area. And just to mention one of the questions, it has, are you transgender? So we know where that whole survey is going, you know, the kind of places it's leading kids. Oh, I mean, it goes way further than that. I don't want to get into it in detail and air, but I would say this. It plants the idea for kids that everybody is, is sexually active at very young ages. It's totally inappropriate. But the good news is the only way they know about that is that we actually, at the Family Foundation, helped pass a law saying you have to notify parents mm-hmm. if you're going to hand out that survey. So I'm just glad to hear the parents know about it because we wouldn't even, I mean, there were days in the past where a parent found out the sort of backhanded through their kids saying something, and it was like, wait, you already surveyed my kid? Because now parents can opt it out. So all that to say, um, this is another whole battle, and I'm glad they're fighting it because they should be. It shouldn't even be distributed in schools. But in the meantime, I'm just hoping we can get Laura Murphy back on here, you know, get her on this podcast and have her talk about her story because I think it'd be interesting to hear her perspective. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us for Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. If you're enjoying the show, help us encourage others to speak up by giving us a five-star review and sharing it with friends. Thanks for listening. Well, let's move on to the other interesting, shall we say, political ad that got a lot of attention in the final days of the campaign. Yeah, I, I, I thought this was really outrageous. The ad was apparently sponsored by a pro-abortion candidate running against a pro-life candidate out in the Tidewater area. 
But it, it tries to attack the pro-life candidate for working for a, preg a pregnancy resource center. It basically attacks her because of where she was employed years ago. Um, but the outrageous part is that it shows an actor who looks like the candidate is in this grim, shady-looking building, and it's supposed to be the pregnancy center. I mean, it's totally not even the real building, not even the real candidate. It's just yeah. awful. And get this, the reason we know that this is supposed to be the crisis pregnancy center in this whole acted out thing is that they actually had the nerve to rip off the logo, basically steal the logo without permission from the real life crisis pregnancy center. And so in this ad, you've got these shady looking walls, like you said, and this ripped off logo is just placed on there. And so now the center, the crisis pregnancy center of Tidewater, you know, finds itself in the crosshairs and all this controversy through no fault of its own and without any warning. And people should remember, these centers are usually not trying to be political. They're trying to serve women who find themselves in that moment where they need support for their pregnancy. And so what's really interesting is they've drawn the center in, but I love how the president of the center has responded with such a truth and grace approach. Um, Toby DeBoss is this just phenomenal leader of this center, and he just honestly goes on air and kind of tells what is true and what's not true and says, look, this is what we do. This is how we minister to women. And he's just he's just phenomenal. He represents the cause so well. Let's just listen to a couple of excerpts from what he actually had to say. Hey, Toby here with the Crisis Pregnancy Center of Tidewater. Uh, there is something terrible that's being perpetrated against our ministry right now. I I've just been recently made aware of a political attack ad that is targeting our mission, our ministry, specifically the Crisis Pregnancy Center of Tidewater. And this political ad, it's, it's running across multiple channels, it's running day and night, and so much that uh, people who love this ministry are seeing this ad and they're getting upset and they're reaching out to me. And so I just wanna take a moment today and address that ad. You know, Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse 20, if, if they will persecute me, then they will persecute you also. And here's what I know. I know this. If you follow Jesus, and if you speak up for your most vulnerable and defenseless neighbors in this community, then there are people who will dislike you and come against you. Yeah, this is just so wonderful what he says. And just this idea that he he knows what they're doing at the pregnancy center is powerful and that, they, you know, he just acknowledges because of what they're doing for Christ, they're going to be persecuted. And this candidate that's been standing boldly, that's done this work, is going to come under fire. And I just, I think he's just a wonderful representation of what we believe. Yeah, and I think what was so shocking to people is that it, it's a ministry, <laughs> you know, it's a ministry trying to help women at no profit to themselves. So I think they were a little shocked to find themselves brought into a political attack ad. And that's why I really loved John's other point, because he did respond to how they were trying to attack the whole the pro-life ministry part of this. He said, the reality is here, if you just want to look at the truth, neither a political candidate nor a ministry has any power to take away a woman's choice. It's a false argument. And then he clarified what the crisis pregnancy centers do is educate women so they can have an actual choice, have the power to choose life. But what's the most powerful thing that has happened in the last, I mean, let's just look, since abortion has been legal, the abortion movement is most harmed by what? When women choose life, not by things that happen in the political world, but by what happens when support is put around her, when, when she knows that she can be helped through this pregnancy. And so the bottom line is they are doing the thing that matters the most for the woman and for the unborn child. And guess what? It's the thing that also takes the money right out of the abortion industry's hands. And that's why they get attacked.
ironically, the abortion movement is the ones that they don't want them to have a choice. <laughs> uh, that's, yes, that's exactly right. They want coercion yeah. so that they end up in the place of abortion. Well, it's that time again. Time for our Inconceivable Moments Award. This is where we're featuring examples of the absolute lunacy and craziness that happens when cultural leaders try to give guidance completely apart from biblical principles. And we're calling this the Liberals' Most Inconceivable Moments Award. Inconceivable! Well, as if it wasn't enough that our schools are trying to remake the whole English language for our kids and making them use these gender-neutral pronouns like Z instead of he or she, we now have it going to the whole nother level. It's the State Department taking it to another level. And in fact, it's going to an international level. That's right. We have added yet another letter to the alphabet here, X. The State Department announced that it has issued its first passport using the letter X in the place of the usual male or female designations. And it's expanding this X option to even more people in the coming months. Now, interestingly, we apparently have a whole position at the State Department called, quote, Special Diplomatic Envoy for LGBTQ Rights. And that person, Jessica Stern, said that this new X option reflects, quote, the lived reality of people identifying with the so-called wider spectrum of genders than just male or female. All right, where do I even start with this? First of all, there's the whole fact that we're apparently spending taxpayer dollar on uh, dollars on an LGBT envoy, a diplomatic envoy. What in the world? I, I just want to know uh, where are all these diplomatic envoys for women like the Afghan women who are struggling under these oppressive regimes? Yeah, I would say maybe the priorities are a little bit skewed here. And I think we should also address this whole lived reality terminology. I mean, are we basing actual security travel protocols on people's, quote, lived reality versus actual reality? I mean, threats to our security involve actual reality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is supposed to be about security. But more than that, let's just ponder. There's 70 different or more than that. I don't even know how many numbers we're at on the number of genders at this point. So my question is, why are we just stopping with X? I mean, it seems like we need to have we actually have 26 letters in the alphabet and we've already like that's only three and we got 70 plus. So we got a problem here. Yeah. And if we're going that far, we're going to have all these different letters. I mean, I think we should just add a born identity, you know, like Jason Bourne. That's kind of fun. We can all have the born identity option. Well, it sounds like you're saying born identity, like you're born with it. That's, that's they're true. Not, they're not a big fan of things that we're actually born with because then they'd have to stop at male and female because <laughs> that's how we're actually born. Perfect point. I think that would get canceled. But there is this other little announcement that came from the State Department that makes things even a little scarier. Uh, you know, they're saying, oh, and by the way, we're also letting people self-select whether they consider themselves male or female, even if it doesn't match their previous documentation and another a previous passport or something like that. You know, so when you think about that the whole point of identity documents is supposed to be about protecting people and security you know, and, and an official can't even use a basic description like whether someone is biologically male or female. I'm not sure where that really leaves us with security. Well, then I want on my passport that I have purple hair and green eyes, even though that's 100 percent not true because that's just how I feel today. No, this is absurd. It's supposed to be what's actual, not what you feel or what you think about yourself, because we're supposed to have actual security around facts. All right. Well, it's worth noting as we wrap up here that the Biden administration also announced the other day the first ever national strategy on gender equity and equality. And they claim this is essential. That's their word, essential to, quote, political stability and the security of nations across the globe. 
Okay, well, I don't know if the whole password thing is an algorithm of that, but I guess it explains some of the upside down priorities. And again, I'd like to see a whole strategy document to protect the lived reality of these women, like in Afghanistan right now, that really need our help. But I guess that means we have to give this week's inconceivable award to the Biden administration and the State Department for the first ever Identity X passport. You know, I just got a note that we're getting close to 50 inconceivable awards now, and I'm afraid the Biden and Loudoun County segments or maybe getting outsized representation, um, we're going to have to get a tally board going here. But in the meantime, if you want to send us your nominations for Inconceivable and maybe give us a little bit more variety here, get some other people in the tally, just email speakupradio at familyfoundation.org. That's speakupradio at familyfoundation.org. Thanks for joining us for this week's Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. Visit us at familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. See you next time. And don't forget, we are stronger when we speak together.